This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I am your host, PWI, senior writer Al Castle, back once again, hoping everybody listening is safe and healthy. Uh, it is another week of us living this nightmare that is the coronavirus. Uh, so again, hope everybody is uh, doing well uh, under the circumstances. Uh, if you're a wrestling fan, uh, I guess uh, at least you can take some solace in that there has been plenty of uh, first-run content, uh, a lot of debate on whether that is a good thing uh, or not, and even more headlines in the last couple days with news that uh, Florida uh, will deem WWE an essential uh, service, so uh, they're getting back up and running with live events uh, every week uh, from the Performance Center. And I imagine that also opens the door for other promotions uh, to get back and running uh, out of Florida. So uh, maybe resuming some some normalcy. I mean, these all be without audiences. Uh, and, and again, a lot, a lot of uh, debate to be had, whether this is all uh, a good thing or not, whether it maybe works against the efforts of uh, the rest of the country uh, in getting past this. Uh, but nevertheless, if you are a wrestling fan, uh, there's certainly plenty of time <laughs> with everybody being at home, myself included, to watch lots and lots of wrestling uh, and to to catch up. And there's been no shortage uh, of news. Uh, and because of the circumstances, uh, we've seen the presentation of wrestling change quite a bit. And that's what we're going to be talking about here uh, in just a moment. It's going to be kind of a unique episode of the PWI podcast. Um, if you are a subscriber to uh, the PWI weekly newsletter that goes out, a, a new feature that we've begun uh, for the last few weeks, and something that we did over the weekend is the first ever PWI Writers Virtual Roundtable, uh, which was a roundtable discussion with four members of the PWI staff. Is that right? Or was it more than that? Uh, I guess it was five. Uh, myself, uh, Kevin McElvaney, Brady uh, Hicks, and uh, Brian Solomon, and Mike Bessler. And uh, we discussed uh, the topic of cinematic pro wrestling matches, something we've seen a lot of in the last few weeks. Again, uh, our wrestling promotions kind of thinking outside the box and having to work uh, without an audience. And I guess we're, we're mostly talking about WWE here, but there has been a history of cinematic um, wrestling matches now uh, dating back several years. So we talk a bit about the history of that and just kind of go around and, and uh, share everybody's thoughts. Um, and there was a range of of opinion, as you know, I saw for myself live tweeting uh, WrestleMania and getting feedback from fans about what they thought about probably the two matches that have been most talked about uh, from this this genre, and that is uh, the Boneyard match at WrestleMania with the Undertaker and AJ Styles, and then the next night the Fireflies Fun Firefly Funhouse match uh, between Bray Wyatt and. 
uh, John Cena. I wasn't a huge fan of, of either. I've come around a little bit on the Boneyard match and uh, still think the Firefly Funhouse is one of the worst things I've I ever saw in, in wrestling. But I, I think some well-reasoned uh, debate by five different uh, people who follow the business and are fans of uh, the business and uh, have varying viewpoints. So you'll definitely want to check it out. If, if uh, Again, if you're a subscriber to the newsletter, you've seen it already. Um, so you should definitely do that. Go to pwi-online.com and you can subscribe to the PWI Weekly Newsletter. And more importantly, you could subscribe to PWI, the magazine, now in its 41st year uh, of publication. And the current issue, the June 2020 issue, has got AJ Styles on the cover. He is our wrestler of the decade, as voted on by you, the PWI readers. And the whole issue features the PWI Decade Awards, the awards that you've come to expect uh, at the beginning of each year, looking back on the previous year. We are, well, we got a whole decade to look back on. So match of the decade, wrestler of the decade, tag team of the decade, and so on, um, as voted by you, the readers. And there's a whole lot more in this issue as well, um, including my interview with AJ Styles, hot seat interview. You heard the audio here a few weeks back. We've got features on Tessa Blanchard, on Dana Brooks, the 25 under 25. That's 25 wrestlers who uh, have a bright, bright future uh, ahead of them, all under 25 years of age. And all our usual columns and features all here in a collector's edition. It is the Decade Awards issue. And again, what you want to do is go to pwi-online.com and subscribe. Um, If you subscribe digitally, you'll get your digital edition uh, faster to your inbox and also at a a deeper discount. And uh, either way, there are huge discounts to be had, more than half off the cover price if you subscribe. Definitely the way to go. So again, PWI dash or hyphen, I gotta remember this, PWI hyphen online.com is uh, the place to go. Uh, Also, pick up the PWI t-shirt from ProWrestlingTees.com and follow us on social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Instagram, it's uh, at OfficialPWI. You could also find us on uh, Facebook. And uh, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a kind review. Um, if you like the work that we are doing here, and you can send us an email at pwipodcast at outlook.com or pwi at capitalpublishing.com with uh, any questions, concerns you have about uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So right now, let's take you to the first ever PWI Writers Roundtable, moderated by PWI editor Kevin McElvaney. We are discussing cinematic pro wrestling matches. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the first ever PWI Virtual Roundtable. I'm Editor-in-Chief Kevin McElvaney. I am here with four PWI writers, and today we're going to be talking about a topic that's really a hot-button issue right now, and that's the concept of cinematic matches in pro wrestling, kind of what they mean for the future of wrestling. I'd like to get right into it, so I'm just going to introduce everybody and uh, sort of allow them to uh, introduce themselves, I guess. So first up, we have contributing writer Brady Hicks. Hey, how's it going, guys? We have contributing writer Mike Bessler. Hey, good to see everybody. Hi, guys. Very, very dark room there, Mike. I'll work on it. <laughs> it's, it's mood lighting. He has very, very dark thoughts. So, <laughs> And then right there, we have senior writer Al Castle. Hi everyone. This is this is all about safety and not at all about disguising my identity. <laughs> Take your word for it. 
And then finally, we have contributing writer and co-host of the, the PWI podcast with Outcastle, Brian Solomon. Hey, wrestling fans. It's very awkward for me to introduce people. I don't think I've ever had to do that before in my life. <laughs> I mean, in that way, the, uh, the evening news kind of way. Um, so, I mean, let's get into it. We, I know we all have some different opinions on this. Uh, this topic of cinematic matches—they're not—they're not new. We have to acknowledge that right off the bat. This has been a thing to some degree in wrestling for years, many years, um, and then more popular in more recent years with the, the the Matt Hardy final deletion, all that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, let's start with the dissenting view. I know we had some uh, some harsh feedback on Twitter the night of uh, well, both nights of WrestleMania. So I'm going to call on Al here to talk about what happened there. Were you really caught off guard by this, this response yeah. that you got? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it blows my mind that mine is the dissenting view. I mean, when um, – and I think it, it's one of the interesting things about not having a crowd at wrestling is that uh, it is more difficult to gauge in real time what people's reactions are. But I was uh, maybe less so on the Boneyard match – Absolutely, with the uh, the Firefly Funhouse, I was sure everyone was going to hate it as much as I hated it, and was blown away um, that it, it went over as well uh, as it did. And and the, the first thing that that I'll say, uh, and, and to some extent, I'm speaking to the folks on Twitter. We could all have differing opinions, and that's cool. Honestly, I mean, I, I couldn't disagree more with folks who who like this stuff, but that's cool. Different strokes for different folks. No reason to be disrespectful for. Uh, to anyone who has a, a differing uh, point of view. But this whole weekend uh, really has been fascinating to me in terms of really illustrating the the changing tastes uh, in wrestling fans. And like like I told uh, uh, Brian on the, the podcast, I really feel like this was the week that I was kind of left behind. Um, and it, it becomes clear that, that I am not um, the the target generation of wrestling fans right now. Right, right. So actually we had, so Brady was also uh, live tweeting both nights of WrestleMania. And we've, we've learned that that's very confusing for people. So we're probably not <laughs> going to do that going forward. Yeah. Kind of alternate. Um, Brady's opinion was a little more forgiving toward the Boneyard match and probably felt pretty similar to the way you did about the, the Firefly match. So Brady, Brady like wh- what was your reaction? I was a little I was a little met to mess with the entire thing. I mean, the Boneyard match, I recognized the limitations that they had kind of going into it as far as the Undertaker and you know what he'd be able to do against somebody the caliber of AJ Styles and everything that he's able to uh, to pull off in the ring. I'm, I'm sure that the audience not being there played a part for sure. I was forgiving of it because to me, um, a lot of times you have to suspend disbe- you have to suspend disbelief with an Undertaker match anyway. So I, I, I went along with it. I, I thought it was very well done for what it was. Uh, the, uh, the Firefly Funhouse stuff blew me away. because like, And it was interesting. Believe me, it was funny. There were parts of it that I enjoyed. Uh, but they advertised it as a match. And, and I think that's where it kind of bugged me because uh, it wasn't a match. There wasn't really a winner. It was very psychological, and it was full of all these inside jokes that, like, honestly, and maybe I'm stupid, but, like, I didn't get everything that they were doing. I got a lot of it, but I didn't get everything. So I can't imagine that all these internet fans that were so upset that people wouldn't like it, that they got everything because I didn't. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair point. Um, it was definitely a divisive thing. I enjoyed the personally, the, the Boneyard match a lot more than 
the Firefly match, although I liked part of parts of the Firefly match. There were, there were times when I thought this is pure wrestle crap. I think I texted that to one of my friends. Like this is total fodder for the wrestle crap website and it'll be inducted one day. But then there were moments like, oh, okay, this is kind of trippy and cool, and I like elements of what they're doing. Again, not not a wrestling match in the traditional sense, but like I love David Lynch movies, and I mean, even the weird season, third season of Twin Peaks that a lot of people hated, I thought was great. So I like stuff like that, but it is not something I'm used to seeing in wrestling. Uh, one person I know who enjoyed this, actually, so Mike, you, you picked this for the PWI Weekly uh, email newsletter, Cheap Plug. Uh, link in the description to sign up. We all picked our best and worst matches and a, a one-word review to de- to describe WrestleMania as a whole. You picked the Firefly Funhouse match as your favorite match of both nights. So, so talk about that a little bit. I did, and just to pull the curtain back a little bit, I did not read the assignment properly. So <laughs> I, I started out writing like a 350-word essay on why I disliked the uh, Goldberg braun Strowman match and then kevin kind of you know reeled me in before i wrote like another magnum (laughs) opus on the firefly fun fun match and when i sent it in with with that i actually put parenthetically sorry not sorry and but the but the formatting for the email was 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 pretty tight i understand i felt like it was the man trying to keep me down and not put my opinion out there because it didn't make the final one but you did put firefly Funhouse in there is my favorite match. It was, it was the most enjoyable for me. Um, I, I have seen a number of people kind of in the Owl Castle camp, where there's kind of a sky is falling kind of thing. Like if this is the future of wrestling, I'm out. And I like you know these are friends of mine who are saying I'm going to cancel the network if they don't get it together. If they do more of this stuff, sure. um, I think things have to change. It's kind of like a lot of other industries that are learning that they have to have a different way forward temporarily during the coronavirus, but the toothpaste is out of the tube after this is over. So things like cinematic matches, we're going to see more of them. We've seen stuff like that. We've been seeing little things kind of like you mentioned at the beginning, Kevin, for years, just, I think on the scale that it was presented this way, and again, Al's pretty smart, pretty astute guy, is is a true wrestling aficionado. I can appreciate why somebody might go, what is this? I didn't think that I was supposed to be seeing this. Now we know, though, and I think we should be ready to see more of this kind of thing. Um, in some respects, just to go back on the Boneyard match for a minute, and I think I mentioned this on a personal Facebook page. This is, you know, and we all do this. We're all wrestling fans. So we've been booking our own matches for years, whether it's with our own imaginary feds or or WWE dream matches or whatever. I have imagined matches, quote unquote, like the Boneyard match before. So it didn't bother me to see that one. I was like, what am I seeing? This is really something. Firefly Funhouse match, you, I think, Kevin, you used the word trippy. That, that's what it was. And I liked having something trippy to watch. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can definitely see that. It, if you wanted something trippy, it was absolutely trippy. <laughs> so, like, that, that, that did scratch a certain itch as far as that's concerned. Um, Al, I think by presidential debate rules, you're entitled to do a rebuttal here. But I want to get over to Brian <laughs> first just because he's been sitting very politely and not, not saying anything yet. Yep, very good, very good. 
Um, don't know whether it will pop up in the recording, but Brian made a very uh, innocent little pose, and he's, he's being a, a, a good boy over there. Uh, <laughs> for once, for once. So, Brian, I know from listening to the, the PWI podcast recap of WrestleMania that you also were not overall not fond of the show, but particularly these two matches. And one thing that kind of stuck out with me as far as all this goes is that in another context, you might like this kind of thing, but on a wrestling show, you didn't. So could you elaborate a little bit on that for people who might not have heard the podcast? Yeah, because I think that when you automatically say, okay, oh, I hated this, it was terrible, like then, then people kind of pile on you, as, especially in a place like Twitter, and accuse you of being like unimaginative or, you know, you're kind of like, oh, you're just like a bonehead wrestling fan and you just want to see this or that. Look, like I said in there, and not, not to get all, you know, hoity-toity about it, I'm a teacher, I have a master's degree. I'm not like wrestling isn't the only thing I like. I go to museums. I like Andy Warhol movies. Okay. All that stuff is cool. When I turn on wrestling, I that's not what I'm looking for. It's like I, I said something at one point. I, I think it might have been on the last podcast. Look, it would be like or if they lined that if they took the two quarterbacks in a Super Bowl, they put them in the middle of the field. And they had like a discussion about transcendental meditation. You know, <laughs> look, I, I'm very interested in transcendental meditation. I love Ralph Waldo Emerson. I'm not watching the Super Bowl, though, for that. And it's the same thing with this. You know, that's just not what I was into seeing. Now, look, it was very well produced. It was very it was actually entertaining. I'll, I'll give you that. Great. I thought it would have worked really well as a way to build up the actual match, but like, like a vignette or something to get you interested. Oh, Bray Wyatt is getting inside John Cena's head. What's going to happen when they actually like get in the ring, you know, but to just say, well, that's the match. Like (laughs) what just happened, you know? And I think like the the thing with me where, uh, and Al, I'm going to try to give you a glimmer of hope here because I know that on Twitter, it felt like we were definitely in the minority on that. And it feels like it's passing you by. But I think like with so many things, I don't know how much of an accurate barometer Twitter actually is, because I have a feeling, hear me out on this. If there was a live crowd, 80,000 people, whatever it is, and they played that on the monitor there for a live crowd, I'm going to say that I do not think the response would be exactly um, warm by that live crowd and it would be i mean i may be wrong but i'm feeling like maybe there are a lot of people out there that aren't on twitter that were just like what in the world did i just watch right now i don't know it's hard to say but but it could be the future of wrestling i mean like if you showed people from 40 years ago the average wrestling match now right they would just it would be almost unrecognizable to them to watch like an episode of raw let's say they'd be like how is this even a wrestling show so it makes me think like in 20 years from now are matches like that going to be kind of the norm it's i don't think it's that out of the realm of possibility is it what i want to see no but you know it could be but if if i can jump in here so so there is a happy uh, medium and and i think uh, to, to Brian's point and me being a lot less of an intellectual than than Brian, uh, you could take the three hours of Monday night on USA and just put on hardcore pornography. Right. And there are going to be people who enjoy that. Right. And, and, and they'll like it more than than they like raw every week. But it's not wrestling. 
right? Or you can just put a movie uh, on. It depends which one you want. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are some genres, granted. Uh, but, but, but or, or you can put a football game on, or you can put a movie on, and, and people will like it more than, than wrestling, but it's not wrestling. So I think that's my, my biggest issue, specifically with the Firefly Funhouse match, was that it just didn't resemble wrestling at all. I've come around a little bit on, on the Boneyard match. At, at the very least, what we got there was a fight, and, and to me, at, at its core, that's what wrestling should be is right. a presentation of, of a simulated fight. And I think one thing that uh, nobody's brought up is as far as that, that happy medium and is there a way to do this that works, that uh, uh, takes advantage of some uh, innovations and presentation and technology and makes the best of a bad situation without an audience being uh, present? And the answer is yes. And that answer is Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa on, on Wednesday night. The, the third kind of forgotten cinematic match of, of uh, the week that it came after the other two, I think hurt it some. And uh, I, I think in isolation, if that's the only one that we saw, people would have been a lot higher um, about it than it was. And it was also hurt by them uh, uh, repeating a lot of the stuff that Edge and Orton did uh, in, in their match at, at WrestleMania. But, but I saw that match and I absolutely thought this could be the future uh, of, of wrestling. Uh, I, I, I didn't love that match, but I liked a lot about the presentation of that match. Uh, if, if you watch Dark Side of the Ring and they have kind of like the, uh, the, the very dramatic, you know, smoky room kind of images, sure. it was sort of a whole match shot that way. Uh, and, but it, in the universe of, of pro wrestling, completely acceptable. It was just a match that was shot differently than you would shoot uh, uh, another match. Uh, and, and I think they were careful and, and actually liked some of the innovations they did. Again, in terms of kind of, you know, potentially this whole situation with the coronavirus leading to some uh, outside the box thinking and maybe some even improvements in the product. One thing that, that they did there that, that I think they did better than at WrestleMania is uh, use some clever editing to uh, make some bumps look uh, maybe worse than they were while protecting some wrestlers, there was a spot where um, I think they both came off the top turn post and took a bump out to the ring floor. And it was apparent to me that they shot that in two different shots. And when they actually made impact with the arena floor, it was from a, a lower height than the top. Uh, but it was cut together real well that you wouldn't immediately notice that. And I think stuff like that is great. It's like if, if, if you could avoid a wrestler taking an unnecessary bump. And that's the kind of stuff that you could do with the cin- cinematic approach um, of wrestling, but at the end of the day, and this goes for for every kind of presentation of wrestling, by and large. And it's not that I'm a total stick in the mud. I get stuff like Chikara and all that, uh, but 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 certainly, at least in WWE, uh, I, I think in, for for the benefit of consistency throughout the product, it's gotta look at least a little bit like a fight, you know. And and that was my biggest problem with it. Yeah. Okay. So I mean that that certainly tracks. And one thing that sticks out for me. So our publisher Stu Sachs didn't. He was a little shy about coming on this. Um, he's, he doesn't like to draw too much attention to himself. Um, but he, what he said to me was that it's, he thinks it's reasonable that you could even like this style of match, but not necessarily like the execution of it. And, I, and I've actually read, and I haven't seen the Gargano Ciampa match yet, although I'm a huge fan of their matches in general. I think they do amazing stuff. Each match is a little different uh, when they get in the ring with each other. A lot of people on Twitter who loved the other matches were bashing that one. So it, it really does come down to taste at a certain point. And Al, I'm kind of curious. I mean, how did you view 
the you know the Matt Hardy the deletion matches, which actually at least ended in a pinfall and and ultimately were matches in the traditional sense. Although you could argue the Boneyard match was a buried alive match, so that at least you know had a clear outcome. Yeah, I, I, I'm mindful of of there being a little bit of, of hypocrisy in in all of this. Um, I, I and I think that Matt Hardy did it in some ways. Uh, helped some people accept these other's matches and other ways kind of hurt it because it's sort of like we've seen this already. It kind of looks like uh, a, a ripoff. But, but I'll say um, that even the Matt Hardy matches didn't take it as far as the Firefly Funhouse match did because as you touched on, Kevin, at the end of the day, it was a fight, right? I mean, what we were watching were, whether it was the matches with, with Matt Hardy or Bray Wyatt or, or whoever else, you were watching um, a, a fight in a certain setting, um, and it was documented by cameras. And I even thought, I think it was the the Jeff Hardy one, the Ultimate Deletion, deletion that they even took some steps that, that WWE didn't. If you remember, they showed the, the referee pulling up uh, in, in his car to the, the Hardy compound. And I, and I th- thought stuff like that was good attention to detail. And in that sense, I can very much give them a pass on uh, the Boneyard match, I, I very much come around on it. Watching in real time, I, I didn't love it. But now, and, and, and again, when you take into account things like the limitations of The Undertaker, I, ver- I very much get now why they did it the way they did it and and um, wouldn't uh, uh, argue with folks who really liked it very much. Um, but uh, again, the, the it wasn't even, it, it was a skit, you know, it was a vignette, the, the whole thing with Bray Wyatt. And, and I think one of the things that that really irked me more than than any of the rest of these is that watching that, um, you it, it was so uh, clear in the presentation that it required these two mortal enemies to work together, right? So uh, Cena's got to get changed into all these different cons- costumes, and he's got to play along. So so it's it's hard to communicate in that storyline that that this is how these two. Mortal enemies are, are settling the score when clearly throughout they are working together. And uh, this goes to something that, that Brian and I talked about on the podcast. And, and I think it's the, the one consistent thing I'm hearing over and over from defenders of these match is that they appreciate the, the creativity. And, uh, I, you know, I like creativity as much as the next guy. But, but you know, in, in the context of a fight, nobody cares if you're creative or not. What, what you're looking for is, is rage and passion and, and all that. I always go back to Steve Austin, Bret Hart, WrestleMania 13. That's what a match between two people who hate each other is supposed to look like. And, and they, not, not to go too far afield here, but, but some of this was also apparent in the Randy Orton Edge match where it seemed like they were more intent on uh, uh, getting points for creativity and innovation than they were just to communicate that these guys hate each other and uh, you know want to hurt each other. Well, I mean, if you look at this, this is a definite shift in the way wrestling is presented now. Like it or not, it has changed in that the bells and whistles, the uh, the sizzle on the stake, it is a lot more important than it's ever been. Again, for better or worse, you can everyone has different opinions about that, but, but it's undeniable. Uh, Mike, I talked to you about these matches, and you said you really think that this could be the future of pro wrestling. Now, I mean, could is this a main event setup? Is this, do you see wrestling shifting to like a pre-taped format in general? Like what do you mean by the future of wrestling when you say that? I think we'll see more of it. And that's as far as I can 
can kind of go with that right now. And I think somebody somewhere will try to set up a wrestling endeavor that is all cinematic matches. And I'd be curious, depending on how that's done, because I think a lot of indies are going to try to follow this. I've already seen some discussions of that. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what they do uh, with that. TNA, or I guess it was Impact when they did the Matt Hardy stuff. This was that was definitely kind of the trailblazer. I don't think a lot of people followed their lead in that. I don't think a lot of smaller companies tried to emulate that. But now we've got the top company saying, "Yeah, this is something not only that we've done on the quote unquote grandest stage, but yeah, we'll probably do it again." I think Triple H said something like that. So. Uh, are we going to see a couple of those a year on the big four pay-per-views? Uh, are we going to see those now and again on, on a Monday night raw? Probably. Um, and it seems like they will be kind of the used as kind of the climax to a feud, uh, or the resolution, so to speak. Uh, whether or not we get to a point where the main event of WrestleMania is a cinematic match, I will say it's hard for me to envision that. But certainly seeing more of these featured rather prominently in a, in a large card, I, I, I think that's a very real thing. And, and I wouldn't be surprised that the talent is there. You look at an organization like uh, Ring of Honor and we've got an article in the next issue, as a matter of fact, an interview with Marty Skrull. Uh, the, the talent that he has and the brain for wrestling and the character that he's built would go great in one of these cinematic matches. Uh, there are going to be people that start to connect the dots and say, let's take this in-ring persona, this character, this vibe, and try to put it in this context. I, I'd like to see what that looks like. Interesting. So, Brian, how do, if this were to be kind of established because part of your issue with this was that it was uh something that's kind of not established as uh something that's done if that makes sense um it's it's sort of a left turn for wrestling what if this becomes just another type of um stipulation that that ends a feud does your opinion about this soften if that's the case i think it can become that but I think if it does become that, we have to kind of be aware of something here. So, like, the one thing that makes this different from any other development in wrestling before is that, you know, if for the last century to century and a half, like, the one thing that's unified professional wrestling, no matter how much it's changed and become unrecognizable from one generation to the next, is that it's live entertainment or it's a live, whatever you want to call it. It's a live show in front of an audience, in front of spectators that's presented in the same way that a sporting event is presented, even if it's not a sporting event. So when you take this turn, right, then you're really taking it somewhere that it's never been before. And I think if it becomes more of a payoff for big matches, then what you're doing is you're, you're, you're really – this is the ultimate evolution of wrestling as entertainment in the sense that like, like Al was saying, you can't really think about kayfabe anymore. You can't think about suspension of disbelief because yes, Undertaker and, or, or even more Bray Wyatt and John Cena. Yes. They had to cooperate in order to put that match on whatever it was, but you know, like Rick Grimes and Negan on the walking dead, right? The actors, if you watch that show, the actors that play them 
even though they're mortal enemies, they have to cooperate in order to shoot the scenes that they're shooting. And the reason they do that is because they're not really enemies. They're just performers playing a part. So it's almost like that's where this is going. And the average younger fan doesn't really seem to care about that. That, yes, of course, they're performers playing a part. Like, of course, like what what else did you think they were? Do you think they really hate each other? Of course they don't. Like, that's kind of like the prevailing view among fans of a certain generation. Like, it's silly. I mean, this is not my opinion, but it's silly to even have that pretense. Like, oh, yeah, Bray Wyatt and John Cena. Wow, they don't really hate each other. Big shock. Like, I think that's what a lot of how a lot of young fans view it. And even if I disagree, because I enjoy suspension of disbelief, it frees up the product and it frees up the fans to do way, way out in left field stuff like this, because you no longer have to maintain that illusion where we used to in the old days be like, well, how did they get in this situation? <laughs> you let, like you right. have to do mental gymnastics, right? These young fans don't care about that. But I think if it keeps going that way, where it's like more and more matches, you may wind up eventually seeing wrestling that's no longer live entertainment because that's the one thing you can't do. You know? Right. So, can I can I make one more quick point on, on that? And it's and it's the it's you know the 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 live spectacle of it really has changed and decreased quite a bit the last couple of years. The number of people showing up to shows and so forth. So you do have the at home audience and the online audience being the lion's share of who's watching the match. And I'll I'll point this towards my buddy Al, who I know is, has been real, really critical in the past of, I think Al, I've mentioned this to you before in other contexts, the trash can wrestling type thing. Um, would you rather see at sitting at home, a dog collar match or a battle at the edge of time? I would rather spend 15, 20 minutes watching these characters that I like do some kind of otherworldly battle at the edge of time for maybe the first and only time than a dog collar match or, uh, you know, or some kind of Taipei death Maybe match. Maybe a little unfair like that. that you picked the most boring stipulation <laughs> match. <in the> <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the old miner's blood, Kevin. <laughs> I, I, I think the, the problem with, with that premise is that it's not an, an issue of which is more entertaining or, or which I would prefer more, but it's an issue of which one belongs under the banner of wrestling, I'd rather watch uh, a, a great movie than both the, of those. <laughs> episode of, of Breaking Bad than, than both of those, but it's not wrestling. So you're right. I mean, you could slowly chip away at what the definition of wrestling is. And right, well, maybe you don't need an audience. Maybe you don't need to shoot it in real time. You can cut it up uh, in post editing. Maybe you don't need a ring. Maybe you don't need uh, wrestlers to wear trunks. Maybe you don't need pinfalls or a referee. And, and with each thing that you're stripping away, it's not even a matter of, of better or worse. It's just, well, this isn't even recognizable to, to what wrestling is anymore. We're just talking about a, a different form of entertainment. And I, I think part of that is what WWE wants. I mean, there's always been, I think, um, uh, among the McMahons, a little bit of, of disdain for, for being wrestling promoters. So I do think that they, they want to, to branch out. But, but um and, and this might come off as just as, as an insult, and, and maybe it is. But the point is, if, if they try to be more than they are, if they try to just be – I've been binge-watching Breaking Bad here in quarantine with my, my family, and I've seen it before, but I saw it in real time before over years and years and years, and now we've gotten through five seasons and whatever. It's been two weeks. And so I have a different, appreci different appreciation for the nuance of, of storytelling and how 
things that they set up in season one start paying off in season five and, and just the, the careful craftsmanship. And WWE can't remember what they did last week, right, uh, in terms of, of storylines. So the idea that they can create, um, you know, this high art uh, concept cinematic uh, wrestling storytelling, I, I just don't buy it. And and so it, 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 I, I think wrestling fans put aside uh, everything else, right, about whether this belongs on a wrestling show or not. I also think it just wasn't that good, the Firefly Funhouse. I don't think it was that clever. I don't think it was that well shot. I don't think it was that well written. I don't think it was that well acted. It was different, and I think fans give it a lot of points for, for being different and for innovation. But if you were judging it next to a, a, a Breaking Bad or, or any other show on network television, it, it would fall way, way short. Well, I, I mean, I think the reason the reason I brought up Twin Peaks Season 3 is just because it's, apart from being, again, a big Twin Peaks dork, um, is that it wasn't linear and it was like a lot of unresolved issues, a lot of like stream of consciousness. And I think this is what this was. It was really more like a weird art film, like, like Brian said on the podcast. So, I mean, it is, it is different and you can absolutely look at that and be like, this is crap. I like story. And, and that, and that's valid just as it's valid to say, I like this, this really oddball crap that hardly makes sense. You know, I, I, I want Tim and Eric wrestling basically. That's, that's okay. If people want that, that's what they want. I think there's room out there. Um, and I understand people who want the more traditional stuff too. Brady, I'm just going to give you a tough question. Does kayfabe matter anymore in 2020? You know, I, I've been struggling with that for 20 years now. Uh, there was an episode of... No, he finally gets Raw, to talk. I don't think we got... For like, I but like, I, there was an episode of like Raw from like probably 10 years ago, I remember, and like Dolph Ziggler got hit on the head, and I vaguely remember like the little cartoon birds kind of flying around his head in post-production. Like, to me, I mean, what was your question? <laughs> Does kayfabe matter in uh, 2020? Does it matter? I mean, I, I like to think that it matters. And I think that there's a certain segment of the fans that certainly um, still buy into it. But, I, I mean, by and large, no. I mean, it, it's it's pretty much over, unfortunately. Just hmm. my opinion. But, they, I mean, they've been building to this for years, so. Does anybody else, does anybody lament the, the death of kayfabe here? I have a thought on that, actually, because I think it doesn't, the, the reason that kayfabe worked so well, right, is because it, it got people emotionally invested, right? So if you're getting people emotionally invested, I guess that's the most important thing, no matter how you're getting there. But here's the problem. I feel like Al and I talked about Lucha Underground on the podcast, and now I thought, mm -hmm. and people may be surprised to hear me say this, but Lucha Underground, when they were doing their thing, I thought was the best wrestling product out there, right? So how can I reconcile those two things? It was because Lucha Underground was consistent, and we said that. That was what they right. did. That was what their show was. When WWE mixes it up like this, I think it, it sort of muddies the water. So if you're trying to get emotionally invested and part of the show, they're working hard to convince you that you're watching real things – and then another part of the show, they're just like, ah, this is just wrestling. We're having fun. What are you getting so worked up about? It's hard to – it's like you're, you're getting whiplash from the tonal shift of what's going on. So, the re, so like, it would be like, you know, I'm trying to think of other TV shows than Walking Dead in case people don't watch them. Um, I don't know, whatever. Like Sopranos. If Tony Soprano in the middle of, like, one of his therapy sessions just kind of turned to the camera and just gave a wink like that. <laughs> 
It's like but, it takes you right out of the whole damn show because, yeah, I know he's James Gandolfini, but I'm suspending disbelief for an hour. I know he's an actor playing a part, but don't rub my face in it. Don't be like, this is scripted entertainment, dummy. Like you're a mark for like getting emotionally involved in this. That's where I, I disagree. Like, if the, you know, kayfabe, there could be levels of kayfabe, at least, you know, like don't rub it in my face that I'm watching, you know, like a, a a scripted show you know you don't need you can still have entertainment and not be like oh you have to still be in your character when you're on the tonight show like you you don't have to do that like there can be levels of kayfabe is what i'm saying Hmm. interesting yeah i i I very much agree and and you know one of the 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 arguments i hate the most in defense of of, um not just this but but anything in, in wrestling uh and you hear it a lot from WWE officials is uh you can't insult the fans intelligence, right? That whole thing. And it, it's so backwards because, uh, and granted we're all going to disagree, but, but I, I had my intelligence insulted watching the Firefly Funhouse match. And, and it's, again, it's, it's not that I don't understand that this is scripted entertainment or anything like, like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think Brian said it best. I mean, th- th- there needs to be, I feel like um, a, a set of parameters in the presentation I too like Lucha Underground because they're consistent throughout. And uh, I don't know if you guys are, uh, watch the Deadpool movies. Uh, I love the Deadpool movies, and they very much break down the fourth wall uh, all the time. But but that's the way that they tell uh, their story. I mean, if you got that in the middle of uh, an Avengers movie or uh, you know a Martin Scorsese movie or something like that, well, it depends on the movie, I guess. It, it would take you out of it. Or a Broadway play, right? I mean, if you go watch whatever the Phantom of the Opera and, on Broadway, and in the middle of it. They, they break character, uh, it, it would take you out of it. So, um, you know, if WWE decides today, going forward, we are the Cinematic Wrestling Federation, and this is going to be our presentation for everything, uh, then I think a lot of this becomes more acceptable. But, but right, I mean, after we saw the Firefly Funhouse match on Sunday night, we went right to Brock Lesnar and, and Drew McIntyre in a standard match inside the ring with the referee. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was whiplash, like Brian said. Yeah, yeah. I think that was really um, that was strange too, because I think the one of the reasons the Boneyard match worked so well for me is because it was this great conclusion to WrestleMania. It felt big and epic and appropriate for Undertaker, um, and it you know it was almost like everything else was building up to this, and then you shifted over to this world. There's a reason they didn't have, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they wouldn't have had a deletion match open up impact and then go back to the ring for an X division title match. It's so I, I definitely hear you there. Um, does I, I would actually like, because I think we've been, if not critical of the concept of this critical of the execution of it, I would like to end on a, a slight defense of it. That's not, that's not going to come from me. I'm going to shoot back to Mike for it. But before I do that, does anyone have anything else to add about this generally that hasn't been said? Speak now or forever. Hold your peace. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 mean I, I, I go back and forth. I, I, I think um, this kind of stuff is fine in doses. Is it okay for the second to last match on WrestleMania? In my opinion, no. Um, is it any different than what they did with Billionaire Ted and the Huckster and the Nacho Man? In my opinion, no. Uh, it's fine for what it is. You don't hear people critiquing the Nacho Man against uh, the Huckster where they both had a heart attack in the middle of the ring to end it. Uh, you know... <laughs> You kind of you, you kind of accept it for what it is. You look at it for what it is, and you don't try and make more out of it than it really is. And in my opinion, if you can do that, 
and still have quality wrestling on the show. I, I think that's what matters most. All right. Okay, good. Well, um, Mike, I want to shoot back to you. So for the skeptics out there, um, defend this kind of wrestling and, and the, the place that it holds going forward. I, I like, I think it was Brian's kind of premise here that maybe this is part of wrestling as entertainment. Maybe this is the evolution of wrestling as entertainment. And and if we were to go back and even look at wrestling from the, the dawn of the, of the spectacle, it would look very different from how it looked in Memphis in the 1980s and WCW in the 1990s and, and so forth. There's different eras. And I think we're, we're, we're maybe crossing over into a different era these things have been pro wrestling has been kind of testing this out for, for some time. One of the ways that I've had a lot of fun processing this with you guys is some of the comparisons to television. Uh, I think about when we talk about breaking the fourth wall or kind of winking off to the side, I think about the office, the office had levels of suspension of disbelief or appreciating this show within a show kind of idea. Uh, and maybe there's a little bit of that going on. I think if anybody here is a curb your enthusiasm fan, there was the uh, great episode where, uh, was it, uh, Larry David was in the, uh, uh, the onstage production of the producers and totally lost. It was at the producers. Does anybody remember that show lost yeah. his place in the middle of the episode, totally went off script, started doing kind of a stand up observational kind of thing. They thought it was going to destroy the show, totally turned the show around. And it was this new thing that everybody embraced fictional. I know, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of maybe a, a counterpoint to some of the things we've talked about. At the end of the day, I think one of the best comparisons to uh, television, a television event and WrestleMania, WrestleMania being an entirely cinematic production start to finish this year. That's that's what it was. There's so much production, post-production, things like that, different than anything we've ever seen. Reminds me a lot of the Simpsons episode where they had the film festival. And everybody in Springfield made their own kind of, somebody used the phrase art film earlier. The question becomes, I think, among wrestling fans, is this Barney Gumbel's art film that won the contest or was it man getting hit in the groin by a football? Well, we, as we all know, man getting hit fo- by football wound up being um, remade as a George C. Scott movie and <laughs> did win the Oscar for it. <laughs> so that kind of worked out. All right. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you for joining me for this and let's do it again soon. And- Watching this at home or wherever you are, thanks for, thanks for tuning in. Uh, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe to the PWI Weekly, and uh, most importantly, subscribe to Pro Wrestling Illustrated, 50% off the cover price. If you're buying three magazines all year, you know, if you normally buy the 500, the women's 100, uh, the year-end awards, already you're saving. So go ahead and do it, and uh, let us know what you think in the comments, and uh, try and be nice about it. <laughs>